Good morning, church. That's a great good morning right there. We all got a great extra hour of sleep last night, right? Awesome. Uh, real quick, my name is Blake Selland. Um, my wife and I, Amber, have been members here for three years. Um, here's a picture of our small group right here. Um, small group has really meant a lot to my wife and I. It's just a great time for us to get together um, once a week, and um, we eat together, and then we open up the Word, and it's just the biggest thing about joining this church and just uh, our walk with faith is community, and it's so awesome when we can get together um, and do this. We are missing one person in that photo. I think that night there was some really good surfing waves out there. Not going to call anyone out who it was, but we, we, we missed one of them. We prayed for him in, that, in this picture. So um, next, we, um, and I'm also, I'm the head men's basketball coach here at Flagler College. Um, our, our season starts up next week, and um, it's free for all St. John's County's people. And if we can do anything for you and your kids, if you ever want to come to a game, please uh, just let me know. Um, if you're new and visiting today, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, Connect card uh, is right in front of your seat back. If you could please fill that out with as much information as you want on it, um, that'd be great. If you would like to join a small group as well, this is the card to do it. Um, there's black boxes in the back. Put, uh, just drop it on in there, and we will contact you on there. Um, next up is Discover Good News. Um, this was really awesome for my wife and I. We met some awesome families in this. We learned a lot about the church. We learned a lot about Smiley and just how, how, how Good News does things. It was awesome. Um, those are coming up uh, November 15th from 6 to 8 and November 18th from 9 to 11. You can also mark this on your Connect card and we will reach out to you. But I really, I highly suggest if, if you were trying to make good news your home, this is the class you have to go to. Like I said, we met some awesome families in it, and it was really, really encouraging for my wife and I. Um, and last but not least, uh, Hello Fall was last, last Sunday, and it was awesome. There we go, there we go. Um, really want to thank uh, the Hello Fall team. They did an awesome job setting it up. It was a great night. Uh, all the people that cooked chili, it was unbelievable. It was awesome. And then the trunk or treats were, were a huge, uh, huge hit too. So really, really thank you for all that. And if you didn't make it, I was out of town like I didn't. We got a quick video here to show uh, all the fun we missed. Can't wait for next year. The moment you've all been waiting for. <laughs> My name is Jenna Fisher. I was on the Hello Fall planning team this year. Um, I am going to announce the winners of the Chili Cook-Off and the Trunk or Treat winners. Um, if your name is called, at the end of the service, you can go to the Connect Room to collect your prize. Okay, 
the first place winner for our chili cook-off was John O'Donnell. Um, our second and third place winners were Maria Magruder and Pasquale and Dina Marcantuono. For Trunk or Treat, we have the Kids' Choice and the Adult Choice. The Kids' Choice went to the Greco family, and the Adult, adult Choice went to Jeff Torbush. The Stunt Double and Mighty Power Award goes to Bug Owens and the Gaffney family. <laughs> Bug said, you should shout out me and Claire. I said, oh, don't worry, you're getting a shout out. Um, the Hang Ten Award goes to Josh Clay, and the Best Hair Award goes to Logan Acri. The Magnificent Molecular Award goes to the Beck family. And the Rabbit Pie Award goes to Chelsea Luteran. Um, like I said, if your name was called, you can go to the Connect Room to collect your prize. Um, we actually had five, what's the word I'm looking for? Confessions of Faith um, this week. Three were from Hello Fall, so thank you to our Do You Know team for doing that. This is hard to do with one hand. Okay, and then I'm gonna pray as Smiley comes on up. Dear Jesus, thank you for today, Lord, and giving us the opportunity to come worship you. Lord, I pray for Smiley that his words will be spirit-filled and spirit-led. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're new, the first of every month we put out the study, and uh, if you're regular, please pick it up and take it with you. Uh, it's a great disciple-making tool. There's a place for message notes if you hear anything you'd like to write down. Uh, there's a place for our small group cues in there. And I'm really excited this week. I'd <clears throat> love to invite you. We're going to be finishing up the book of Hebrews and then reading James together. And uh, it's great when we read the same thing together. Pick one up and take it with you. It is great <clears throat> to be back. Karen and I were away for a, a couple of weeks and... Uh, we were actually celebrating our 42nd wedding anniversary. Oh, 42 years. Now, if someone asks you, what is the greatest accomplishment in your life, what would you say? And I would say, without a doubt, that the greatest accomplishment in my life is being married for 42 years. I think that's the most important accomplishment I've ever accomplished, and I really appreciate Karen for putting up with me that long. I'm really pro-marriage, and I believe the greatest thing I can do for the institution of marriage is to love my wife, and very thankful for Jesus enabling us to do that. We had a great time. It's great to be back. Really appreciate uh, Travis and Strider doing a great job preaching the last couple of weeks. Some of you are new. I'd love to know, for those of you who are new, how many of you thought it was the same person? <laughs> you mean it wasn't? No, it wasn't the same person, and... Uh, I'm really excited about today, too, because I've been waiting. I was given this shirt probably six months ago. It says, Hope Dealer, and I've been waiting for a message on hope. And I'm really, really excited because now I get to wear this shirt, Hope Dealer, because that's what we are as Christians. We're Hope Dealers. We get to peddle hopium. And if there's anything our culture needs, it's hopium, isn't it? And we have what people need. I am continually asked, smiling, could I be forgiven for what I've done? Yes. Isn't it great to offer people hope? You know, smiling, could I change? Could I overcome these sins in my life? Yes. Is there hope for my marriage? Yes. Could I live forever? Yes. Oh, 
One of the questions we ask as disciples and disciple makers is, what is our hope? What is our hope? And we believe that Jesus is our only hope in life and death. Jesus is our only hope in life and death. So many people are so hopeless because of what's happening around the world or who's in the White House. No, no, our hope is not in our civil government. Our hope is in Jesus. He's our only hope in life and death. And when Jesus moves into us, every situation can be filled with hope because the hope that Jesus brings, the hope that Jesus brings, hope is the joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. If someone said, smiley, what does Jesus bring into our lives? No matter what age we face, no matter what we're facing in our lives, Jesus brings that joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. And I'm so excited. We're going to speak about hope for three weeks. I'm going to wear this shirt for three weeks. I'll wash it in between, okay? Actually, that's not true. I have no idea how to wash it, but I have a wonderful wife who washed it for me. I've been married. There's a lot of things I have no idea how to do anymore. But listen, this week, we're going to look at uh, that uh, cultivate hope when you're alone. Did you know that... Hope needs to be cultivated. Love needs to be cultivated. That's why my wife and I went away to celebrate, because love needs to be cultivated. And faith needs to be cultivated. It's not a, con- it's not a constant thing, and hope needs to be cultivated. So we're going to learn how to cultivate hope when you're alone. And then we're going to come back next week and look at cultivate hope when you're attacked. And then we'll come back to final word. We can look cultivate hope. The best is yet to come. So if you have your Bible, oh, and let me tell you the point of today's message, it's going to be a very simple message, is to cultivate hope when you're alone. Cultivate it. When you're alone, cultivate hope. Now, if you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and if you don't, bring a Bible with you. It is the Word of God, and it's filled with hope because it's all about Jesus. And Travis and Strider got us going through, and we're going to continue our walk and study through 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, verse 9. Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatians. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Uh, Here's the setting. It's 64 AD. Paul is in prison This is the last letter that he writes, and he's about to be beheaded, and he's alone. Sometimes Paul seems like some superhero that maybe it's hard to identify with, but here we really see his humanness. Here we see his neediness. Here we see how he's really struggling with being alone. Have you ever been alone? Have you ever felt deserted? Have you ever woken up and just found, man, I'm in a different country. When did everything change? If you've ever felt like that, this is who the message is for. It's for you. Listen, cultivate hope when you are alone by seeking fellowship, by seeking fellowship. If you feel like you're in a strange country, seek fellowship. Did you hear what he said in verse 9? Make every effort to come to me soon. 
When Paul was alone, he pleaded with a brother that he loved to come and see him because he knew the way we cultivate hope is together. Paul loved Timothy. Remember when we were in chapter 1, verse 2, Paul said to Timothy, my beloved son. So when we come to chapter 4, Timothy, I am so alone. And you have no idea how much it would mean to me if I could see you one more time. Do you ever stop and think on Sunday morning how much it matters whether you're here? Do you? Do you ever stop and think of how many people you would be such an encouragement with just to see your face? Listen, we live in a hopeless culture, and when we gather together, it means so much to others. We need fellowship, but listen, when we come, we encourage others. Timothy, do everything you can so that I could see you one more time. Well, why is Paul alone? Do you hear what it says for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica? Man, do you hear his heartbreak? A brother, a fellow worker, someone that he had done ministry with with has has deserted him? Man, have you ever felt like that? Oh, do you hear Paul's heart breaking? You ever had your heart broken by a Christian who deserted you? Um, In Philemon, we read about better times with demons, right? In, In Philemon verse 23, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Marcus, to Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. They had been brothers. They had done life together, and, and Demas had deserted him. Why? Did you hear those frightening words back in verse, nine, or verse 10? I don't know about you, but this frightens me. For Demas having what? Having loved this present world has deserted me and gone. Oh. Now, it doesn't tell us exactly, but perhaps the comforts and pleasures of this world so captured Demas' heart that he deserted the gospel ministry because he loved this world too much, more than God. Or perhaps it was he saw, he saw how much Paul was suffering, about to be martyred for the gospel. And he says, listen, I don't want to die for the gospel. Um, we have to be careful, right? Having loved this present world has deserted me. Oh, the Bible warns us of that over and over again, doesn't it? In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. See the word world, what's the context? It's not planet Earth. It's human society that lives in opposition to God. And I love the way that J.B. Phillips puts it. It says, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't we feel that pressure continually of our culture trying to squeeze us not to say certain things, not to do certain things, to say because the world is trying to squeeze us? And when we long, when we want to be friends, friends of the world, 
man, we're in danger of abandoning the gospel and abandoning Jesus. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Don't let the world control you. Let God's word control you. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Man, God's word is good for us. That's why we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, listen, to be a disciple and a disciple maker, it's really important to answer the question, where do I belong? Where do I belong? And what we believe is we belong in the church. That's our community. We, we don't belong in our culture. We're strangers and aliens on earth. We are in our culture on mission. And if we seek to, be, to have the approval of the world, we cannot carry out our mission of making disciples. Oh. In James as well, and we're going to be reading it this week, won't you join us? We're given another warning. James 4.4, 4, you adulteresses. How many of us want to be adulterers, adulteresses or adulterers? You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Um, if we want to be liked in the world, if we want to be a part of the in crowd, the Bible says, then we make ourselves an enemy of God. But if we choose to be on the inside with God, if we choose to be a friend of God, listen, we'll be hated in our culture. And Demas is our poster child of what that's speaking about, isn't it? that he chose friendship with the world over friendship with God, and he deserted Paul. So why is Paul alone? Well, Demas and others have deserted him. It says in verse 9 that Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatius. Others left him. Others left him to go and share the gospel in other places. But only Luke is with me. And doesn't the Bible say it is not good for man to be alone? And so Paul says, Timothy, it would mean all, of the wor all the world to me just to see your face one more time. So listen, the way you cultivate hope when you're alone is by seeking fellowship, by seeking to be together with like-minded people. Because we live in a culture that doesn't share our beliefs. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you. For he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus and the books, especially the parchments. Listen, cultivate faith when you're alone by asking for help. By asking for help. Paul said, Timothy, I want you to help me. I want you to get Mark and bring him with you. That would be an encouragement to me, and he's useful for ministry. And when you come, bring the cloak. Bring, I, I'm cold. It, winter is coming. It's cold in my prison cell. Bring me a cloak to keep me warm. 
And the cloak would be kind of like a, a modern poncho, a, a hole to put your head through, but no sleeves. Listen, I'm cold. Bring me something for my body and bring the books and bring the parchments. I want something to read while I'm sitting here in prison. Wow. Listen, cultivate hope when you're alone by asking for help. Bring Mark. Bring me a cloak for my body. Bring me books for my mind. Oh, this is such a hope-filled passage. This passage is filled with hope because Jesus is our only hope in life and death. There's a reconciliation story here. And don't we in our divided culture and world need a reconciliation story, don't we? This story is one of reconciliation. Jesus is the one who reconciles us to God and to each other. Many of you know the story. You see, in Acts chapter 13, the first missionary journey, we have Paul and Silas, we have Paul and Barnabas and Mark, and they get out a little bit, and Mark says what? This is way too hard, I'm out of here. And so Mark leaves, he abandons them during the first missionary journey. Then we get to Acts 15, the second missionary journey, and Paul and Barnabas start out, and Barnabas says, let's bring Mark with us. And Paul says what? No way. He abandoned us. And so Paul and Barnabas, they get in this huge fight, and they split up. Isn't it kind of nice to know that apostles get in fights too, isn't it? And so Paul takes, or Barnabas takes Mark with him and they go in one direction and Paul takes Silas and goes in another direction. But you know what's even more comforting than that? Is to know that we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. We've been given the word of reconciliation and the gospel can reconcile us to God and also to each other. So Mark and and. Uh, and, and Paul, who had been estranged, were brought together through the power of the gospel. So by the time, by the time Paul writes <clears throat> Colossians, uh, he writes in chapter 4, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas' cousin Mark. You see, they've been reconciled. Man, are you alienated from someone? Listen, there's hope. Jesus is our hope in, in life and death. He can reconcile people. To, he reconciled Paul and Mark together. And whom you have, about whom you've received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Man, when Paul was alone, he asked for help. Paul, or Timothy, come, bring Mark with me. Bring me a cloak. Bring me parchments. And you know what's really cool here? If Timothy came, if Timothy came, then you would have had Mark and Luke and Paul all in the same prison cell. And you know why that would have been so important? Because they are three, what, significant writers of the Newer Testament, Right? Paul wrote a lot of the letters, Mark wrote the, the Gospel of Mark, and Luke wrote more of the New Testament than any other New Testament writer. Did you know that? And do you know he was a Gentile? So the most prolific writer of the New Testament is, is, is Luke, who, who, who is a Gentile, and the three of them, wouldn't you love to have been there? 
these three guys who wrote the New Testament all there in Paul's prison cell together because Paul was willing to ask for help. So cultivate hope when you're alone by seeking fellowship, seeking out, by asking for help, by continuing to minister to others. Listen, don't die before you die. I love that about Paul. He was about to die, but he didn't die before he died. So as long as he had breath, he was thinking through ways of, of spreading the gospel around the world. Um, he's thinking about others. Are we always thinking about others? Uh, always trying to get the gospel out to more people? As I thought about that, I thought... Who does that remind you of who didn't die before he died? Thank you. Whenever there's a question, church, Jesus is always a good answer, right? <laughs> but isn't it true that Jesus didn't die before he died? As long as he had breath, he continued to minister to others no matter how alone he felt, right? The last night in John 13, he loved his own who were in the world and he... Love them to the end. He loved them all the way to the end, right? The last night, he's washing their feet. He washes Judas's feet. You don't have to go through this, you know. The next day, as he's bearing our sins on the cross, he's still thinking of others, right? He says, John, take care of mom. Mom, don't worry. John's going to take care of you. That does raise a question, doesn't it? What about Jesus' brothers and sisters? Why weren't they taking care of mom? But Jesus is still thinking about others, right? He leads the thief to faith in Christ, right? On the cross, while he's bearing our sins, he's still sharing his faith. That was the model that Paul was facing. And though he was in prison, it didn't mean the gospel was in prison. So he was sending out others to share the gospel, Crescens to go to Galatia and share the gospel, and Titus to go to Dalmatia to go and share the gospel. And what was the gospel they shared? Oh, the gospel they shared was the good news of Jesus. And maybe some of you are new, and maybe this will be the first time you hear. Listen, the central message of the Bible is the gospel, the good news about Jesus saving sinners. And some of you have been Christians for a long, long time, and so I've got a question for you. If you only had one verse, if you only had one verse to share the gospel with someone you loved, what would be the one verse you would choose? Uh, now, I asked some people this week, and many said John 3.16. That's pretty good. But in my top five verses, if I just had one verse to share the gospel, I would pick John 6, or John, Romans 6.23. Uh, will you read this with me? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the reason I would pick this verse is because the gospel has bad news and good news in our part. And they're all in this verse. Don't you see it? Listen, sometimes people say, Smiley, why are you always sharing the bad news? Because if we don't understand the bad news, we could care less about the good news. So listen, if you're new, we have good news to share with you, but to appreciate it, you need to understand the bad news. And the first part of this verse shares the bad news of the gospel, for the wages of sin is death. See the word sin? 
The Bible says we've all sinned. And what is sin? It's a crime against God. Most people think sin is hurting other people. But sin is first and foremost a crime against God. God gives us life and breath and every good thing. And we refuse to give Him thanks and we refuse to obey Him. God says, I want first place in your life. And we say, no. And God says, honor your father and mother. And we say, no. And God says, sex belongs in marriage. And we say, God will have sex with who we want to. And God says, you shall not bear false witness. And we do. So we commit crime after crime against God. What do you think the penalty for sinning against God is? Listen, God is just and he must punish sin. And he tells us the penalty. The wages of sin is death. See the word death? It's not simply physical death when our bodies and spirits are separated from one another, but it's eternal death. It's the separation of our body and spirit from God forever. So once we understand the bad news we've all sinned against a just God and what we deserve is hell itself, we say, what do we do? Then we're ready for the good news. But here's the good news. Listen. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's start with Jesus. Jesus means Savior. Jesus is God the Son who put on flesh and came to earth to save sinners like me and like you. And after living a perfect life, he climbed on the cross in our sin. See, he had never sinned. So he took our sin upon himself and he died in our place once and for all to pay the full penalty for our sins. He took the wages of sin that's death and died on the cross for our sins, crying out, it is finished, paid in full. And then he was buried, but he didn't stay dead. The third day he rose from the dead. Sin and death are connected. Death is the penalty for sin. And having paid that penalty in full, the third day he rose from the dead, proving he had conquered sin and death. And he offers us eternal life. And notice it's a free gift. It's a free gift. Eternal life is the forgiveness of our sins. It's the opportunity to do life with Jesus in eternity, and it's free. And our part is simply to receive that gift by faith. Have you? <clears throat> oh, I love John 6, verse 47. Would you read this with me? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. When Jesus says, truly, truly, he says, this is really important. And Jesus says that if we believe in him, that we have eternal life. So it's really, really important to understand what it means to believe in Jesus. And so we love to tell people believing in Jesus is very simple. It's as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit. And listen, if you've never received the free gift of eternal life, wouldn't you like to? I mean, wouldn't you like to go to bed tonight forgiven? Wouldn't you like to do life with Jesus? Wouldn't you like to do eternity with Jesus? It's a free gift. We receive it by believing. Listen, it starts when we admit. There was a day when I admitted to Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you in many ways and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you do that now? Won't you admit that? Or I'd be glad to, to help you when we pray and give you an opportunity to do that. And then I said, I believe, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose, won't you? And then we commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, come in and forgive me and give me eternal life and, and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, and he did. Listen, if you've done that, 
You know what it means? You have received the greatest gift ever. You've been forgiven of all your sins, past, present. You get to do life with Jesus, a friend and a purpose, and you are going to spend eternity with him. And that's what, that's what Jesus sent them out to preach, to go and to preach the gospel. Um, <clears throat> back to 2 Timothy 4, but Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. You see, Paul sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Timothy was the pastor in Ephesus, and since Tychicus was there, that would free Timothy that he could come. He could come and be an encouragement to Paul. Uh, and then look at verse 14. Because when you're alone, cultivate hope by continuing to minister to others. And I want you to notice, Paul not only is sending uh, out people to share the gospel, but he's continuing to disciple people. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. As we've been walking through First and Second Timothy over and over again, Paul has warned us about false teachers. This year, as we've been reading through the New Testament together, over and over again, we've been warned about false teachers, right? Even Jesus warned us. In Matthew 7, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. There are wolves who want to destroy you, and sometimes they disguise themselves as sheep. So how do you spot the false teachers? You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? I want you to know Jesus so well that you can spot false teachers. I want you to know the gospel so well so that when you listen to a teacher, you can spot whether they're a true teacher or not. I've taught you the gospel has bad news and good news in our part, right? So when you listen to a teacher and they never talk about bad news, you know what? That's a false teacher. When you listen to someone and they never talk about Jesus, how he's God made man, how he died and rose for our sins, you know it's a false teacher. If they never talk about the importance of receiving Christ and believing, you know you have a false teacher. So examine their teaching and examine the fruit of their teaching. So cultivate, cultivate hope when you're alone by seeking fellowship, by asking for help, by continuing to minister to others, and lastly, by abiding in His Word, by abiding in His Word. I love verse 13. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus and the books, especially the parchments. Oh, bring me the Word of God. Paul loved the Word of God. Isn't it amazing that he wrote Scripture but he also loved Scripture. Oh, you know why? Because it's the Scriptures that fill us with hope. He wanted to read the Word while he was alone and to pray the Word and to share the Word while he was alone. Bring me the Scriptures because they're the ones that fill us with hope. Oh, in, in John chapter 8, Jesus said one of the marks of his disciples is that they love His Word, they abide in His Word. John 8, 31, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed Him, If you continue in My Word, 
then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Do you know what happens when we read the scriptures? We take our eyes and we gaze at Jesus because the, the, the Bible is all about Jesus. And when we gaze at Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills our hearts with hope. Because Jesus is our hope. He's our only hope in life and death. And one of the most important skills we can learn is how to gaze at Jesus and glance at our circumstances because we're continually living in a culture trying to get our eyes off of Jesus and to focus our gaze on everything wrong in our world and that's what robs us of our hope. You want to be a hope dealer? Gaze at Jesus. Gaze at Jesus Abide in His Word, abide in His Word, and the Holy Spirit will fill our hearts with hope. So, cultivate faith or hope when you're alone by seeking fellowship and asking for help and continuing to minister to others and by abiding in His Word. So I bet you'll never ever guess what our action step is for the week. I want you to cultivate hope. Oh, that you understood that hope needs to be cultivated. Love needs to be cultivated. Faith needs to be cultivated. How? How do you cultivate hope? Cultivate hope when you're alone by seeking fellowship. Listen, if you've come to faith in Christ, way to go. It's really important as a next step to find a church and join it. You need to be connected to a hope-filled community. And if you join a church... It's so important that you seek fellowship when Sunday comes that you run because you know that you being there is going to fill others with hope and encourage them and you'll be encouraged. You're a part of the body. It matters whether you're there or not. I mean, there's some NFL games this afternoon, right? How many players do you think will say, you know, I don't think I'm going today? Because they need the team, but what? The team needs them. Oh, if we knew how much it matters whether we're together, we'd run, we'd run early to be an encouragement. Do you know what people say to me sometimes? You won't believe it. It is the most hopeful thing. You know what they'll say? See you Sunday. Oh, man, that's so hope-giving to me. See you Sunday. Listen, something happens when we gather together. Listen, when a small group comes, listen, it matters whether we go. When we're there, listen, we're going to encourage and fill people with hope. We live in a hopeless culture and it matters. It matters because we're a part of the body. Seek fellowship. Don't wait for someone to invite you to lunch. Call them up and invite them to lunch. When you're alone, seek fellowship. Don't try and do the Christian life alone. It's a team sport, not an individual sport. Listen, cultivate hope by asking for help. Doesn't Paul show us that? Bring Mark. Bring me a cloak. Bring me, uh, bring me the scriptures. Paul often asks for help. We need to ask for help. Um, in Ephesians 6, Paul is asking for help. Verse 18, with all prayer and petition... Pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I love Paul, don't you? Do you ever see he just, he just kind of gets going at times? Do you see the alls there? Do you, do you see it? 
With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So pray for everybody else. And then he says, and pray for me. Now, whenever Paul asks for prayer, it's almost always this. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Paul knew people needed to hear the gospel. It was a matter of life and death. But Paul also knew when he spoke up, there was hunger and people came to faith in Christ and there was hostility. He would be beaten and stoned and thrown into prison. So he needed boldness to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know, Smiley, how can we pray for you? Would you pray for me? I am such a coward by nature and pray for me that God would open opportunities for me to share the gospel and I would have the boldness to proclaim the gospel and I'll proclaim the same to you. Because I believe the greatest need in our culture is for a bold church filled with Christians who are praying for boldness and praying for one another and we would speak the gospel with boldness. Oh, listen, cultivate hope by seeking fellowship, by asking for help, by continuing to minister to others. If we're on earth... It is because there are people that Jesus wants us to share Christ with. So don't die before you die. We are surrounded by hopeless people and we have the gospel. So listen, continue to minister to others. And that's out in the world. There's opportunities in the church. There are so many opportunities for you to serve in the church. Listen, there's hospitality. There's opportunities to be an usher or a greeter or to work at the door and to help welcome people. There's opportunity in children's ministry to serve with children or to teach children. So many opportunities. Don't die before you die. There's opportunities to serve in student ministry. There's opportunities with adults. We have a need for so many small group leaders to rise up and make room for new people. And if you lead a small group, you'll be there more often. Because you're the leader. And when you lead, they'll fill you with hope as you fill them with hope. Um, Seeking fellowship. Listen, asking for help. Continuing to minister to others. And by abiding. By abiding in His Word. Um, Listen, every morning... I get up and I have breakfast with Jesus. Do you know why? Because we live in a broken world. And I love to start my day fixing my eyes on my hope. What is our hope? Our only hope in life and death is Jesus Christ. So if we want to be hope dealers, wouldn't it be a good idea to start our day filling ourselves up with hope? And one of the passages that fills me with hope is Colossians chapter 1. Um, Verse 27, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul says, when I want to sum up the riches of everything the Christian life is all about, it's that that Christ lives in you. 
And He's the hope of glory. That because Christ lives in you every day of our lives, no matter what we're facing, we can live life with the joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. Oh, Christ in you. The hope. That's our hope. Um, so what do we, what do, we do? <clears throat> we proclaim Him. We preach Christ to ourselves. We need to be filled with hope before we can give Him away. We proclaim Him, admonishing every man, starting with ourselves, and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to His power, which mightily works within me. You know what robs me of hope? Well, only the past, the present, and the future. And so that's why I'm always preaching the gospel to myself. You know what robs me when I lie in bed at night and I'm overwhelmed by my failures? Anybody else in here fail? So I preach the gospel to myself, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know what? Because I believe in Jesus, our failures are not fatal. I'm forgiven. And you know what happens when, when I'm aware that our failures are not fatal? I seem to have conversations with other people who tell me about all their failures, and I say, me too. That's why we need Jesus, because when we believe in Jesus, our failures are not fatal. You know what robs me of hope? The present. The futility of life. Life is hard. But Christ in you, the hope of glory, I'm reminded that, that our lives are not futile. I'm doing life with Jesus, and I have a purpose, and my life counts. And when I'm filled with hope, then I seem to have conversations with others who are struggling with the futility of life. And since I have hope, I can be a hope dealer and offer them hope too. Listen, if you believe in Jesus, He'll move in. And our lives are not fatal. Our lives are not futile. Oh. Every now and then I make a mistake uh, and I look in the mirror and say, man, you are old. Uh, you ever think about death? I do a lot of funerals and I realize we're going to die and sometimes that really scares me and then I preach Jesus to myself. What? That Christ in you, the hope of glory, that I'm a Christian, that our death is not final, that Jesus rose from the dead and so will I. And when I'm filled with hope and then I go out, I meet others who are worried about dying that I can point to Jesus, and you can too. Um, I love being a Christian. We get to be hope dealers. Our culture is filled with gloom and doom people, isn't it? Doesn't the news love to share with you bad news? And we have good news. Christ in you the hope of glory. Oh. To whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor striving according to his power which mightily works within me. Let's, let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad that you can bring hope into every life, into every home, into every church, into every community. You are our hope in this life and forever. 
Jesus, thank you for coming into the world to deal with our sin problem. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins and rising and offering us eternal life. And listen, if you've never received the greatest gift ever, won't you receive that gift now? Jesus is here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Put in the box. And Lord, I pray for those of us who've received you that we would cultivate hope this week, that we would seek fellowship. Lord, some of us need to find a church. Help us to find a church home and join it. Lord, help us to find a small group. Help us to run to worship because we need it and others need us. Lord, help us this week to cultivate hope by being willing to ask for help. Lord, by continuing to minister to others. Lord, open doors for us to share the gospel. Lord, help us to serve in the body. Lord, help us this week to start our day abiding in your word. And as we fill up with hope, may we go go out and give hope away. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.